there, my name's Willie Russo and you're listening to Interview with an Artist, the show where we speak with a range of art world players. My guest this week is Adelaide-based artist Greta Laundie. I first came across Greta's work via Instagram, I think in about 2019. I then interviewed Greta on 2SER Radio, funnily enough, talking about Instagram and how she was finding herself wanting to move away from it a little. Greta has also been a mentoring client. She booked in in 2021 and I was so excited to see her and work with her. Greta paints and draws stunning colour-filled abstract works. Working intuitively, Greta gets her pieces started and then hands over the reins to them to finish, likening the process to being sort of carried away on the energy of the colours. Don't be fooled though. It's not all about what colour sits best beside another. Greta's work begins from a deeper place of inspiration. Psychology and sociology and feminist theory, they all play a role in bringing Greta's artwork to life. In today's episode of Interview with an Artist, we chat about a range of things, including how Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins played a role in sparking her latest series titled Insignia, We talk about finishing her Bachelor of Fine Arts after 20 years and the touchstones that it gave her. And also, we do a little bit of a deep dive on criticism, how to give it, how to receive it, and the role it plays in the life of an artist. I loved learning more about Greta and her work, and I'm sure you will too. Enjoy meeting the wonderful Greta Laundie. Greta Laundy, thank you for joining us on Interview with an Artist. Lovely to have you here. Oh, thanks, Willie. I'm so excited to have, be here with you. Now, you work you work in Adelaide, you live in Adelaide, but you also grew up regionally in South Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up on farms until I was about 17. I left home at 17, uh, like lots of country kids, and went to the Big Smoke and um, went to uni straight away, um, did my, back then it was a four-year degree in Bachelor of Visual Arts, which was fabulous. Um, but I kind of stopped and started and finally got my degree finished in 2010 with first-class honours. <laughs> it took me nearly 20 years. Worth the wait, worth the oh wait. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> first so long. honours, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was great. I, got, I mean, at the time I really struggled but I've gotten so much out of my degree and I still come it's still like touchstones I come back to in my practice so yeah it's been useful oh I love that was there much art around you on the farm oh god no um my dad was a Sunday painter if you want to call it that like he was un he was uneducated in painting but he'd just dabble and do beautiful landscape paintings, sort of been like the Heidelberg school, that kind of tradition, because um, the very romantic kind of farm life looks that he would do with his landscapes. And they were good. They are good. But um, not much art, no. But I, my dad um, got a, he was subscribing to Time Life and they had, back in the 70s and 80s, they had these old, brown covered books that you'd get on each artist like a monograph of each artist all the big western artists and they're all men you know but it was like Titian, um, Gainsborough, Matisse, Picasso, 
and I would just pour over them in my spare time and I just loved it. I just loved the art. I loved looking at the pictures um, and I would always draw in my spare time. Do you, do you have any of your dad's paintings now? Yes, I do. I do. Oh. Yeah. It's one of a car. So he did, he used to paint lots of rusty cars. Yep. Yep. And um, old boots and things like that. So yeah, we've all of my family have got paintings of his. Yeah. yeah sweet. It's nice. So the Bachelor of Visual Arts, you say it was like a, it's a touchstone that you still come back to now. What are some of those touchstones? I, I guess I always say I never got taught how to paint technically. I got taught how to think. And so it's that conceptual basis of your work and how to push your work further. And I'm not one of these people that can just keep painting the same thing over and over again. That would drive me mental. So it's always got to have some kind of conceptual underpinning for me to come at a, at a work. And it's got to really touch my heart as well. So that's been really important for me. And also getting feedback. I think that's one of the main things, actually, is to talk to other artists and network and see what other people think and also be educated like understand where you sit in our history um you know understand all the big movements we don't exist in a vacuum that's the thing yeah. contemporary art is you know it's it is part of a history it's all on the shoulders of, of someone before yeah right it's um absolutely I'm so glad you said, uh, you know, find a find your group or like talk to others about your work because you are a member of a fantastic group of women called the Friday Freeders, yep. which I have heard Sarah McDonald talk about previously, although we never got to speak about it on the podcast because we got sidetracked. But the importance of having that tribe and that community, can you talk to us about that? Oh my gosh. They, they provide, we all provide so much to each other. You know, we've all got different skills and come from different backgrounds. Are you all We're in all Adelaide? in Adelaide. Yep. Absolutely. And Adelaide is a very small place. Um, and the contemporary art scene here is very little. So it's good to have that support to talk through ideas about, you know, getting into Melbourne galleries or Sydney galleries or, you know, or prizes. What we do for each other is, Something we started doing last year was a crit session. So those of us who want to bring in work and have, you know, one of us run our eyes over it and provide critique on it, on the work is really great. That's been so fabulous for our practice. And, you know, if someone will come up with an idea for, oh, why don't you try this? And the other person will try, you know, why don't you try that? And, you know, you just get buzzy from it. You know, you come out going, oh, yes, I can do this and I can do that. It's so exciting. Um, we just talk all the time. Um, I don't think we'll ever find... I don't think there'll be a quiet moment when we're all together. We um, talk about art, we talk about technique, we talk about art galleries, art directors, you know, art gallery directors. <laughs> um, you know, it's just a valuable source of information for each of us and, and support, you know. We talk about a private life. We get together, try to get together probably a few times every term because most of us are mums as well. Okay. And how did you find each other? I think Sonia, Sonia Unwin is the person who was the go-between between Sarah and I. I'd known of Sarah for many years and she lives close to me and we just met down at the dog park with our dogs when they were having a run. And she knows Sonia as well because Sonia used to work for a framer here. And um, we're like, oh, we started chatting and then we got together. We said, oh, why don't we just get together and have 
um, lunch and it was at Sarah's house and a few people came there and then it just kind of got organically a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger each time. I love it. I love yeah. it. And critiquing someone's work can be a really daunting thing. What advice would you have when someone says, you know, when, when, let's say an artist is asked, asked another artist, you know, tell me what you think about this work. What advice would you have for giving critiques to work? I think it really helps to know what the artist is trying to achieve. And that would be the first thing to be aware of. Um, and we're always, it's always constructive criticism. It's never, oh, we don't, you know, I don't like this or I don't like that. It's about finding what they want to do and what the points in the painting or the work that is irritating them and trying to talk through ways you could resolve areas that don't seem right or write to either write to us as a critiquing people or to the artist, you know, there might be two different things actually. Yeah, and just working out ways to push that work forward or to resolve it really. It's just yeah. being, it's being polite, of course, and yeah. constructive. Yeah, yeah, okay. and gentle, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, receiving critique, whether you've asked for it or not, can be a daunting proposition. How, what advice do you have for people receiving critique about their work yeah that's a tough one I remember it um honors you know like my honors you're getting critiqued by the lecturers it's just, it was awful you know I felt like crying sometimes it does help to remove yourself from the work and to be objective you know and to really think about so okay so this is my idea but you know I know that this is probably not working I'm asking for their feedback and just, just wearing it, you have to sort of have to develop a bit of a thick skin, I think, as an artist. Even if it's your friends critiquing it, you still have to have a thick skin. Yeah, and right. no, it's in the best best of, um, you know, your friends want to see you do well. So that it's being delivered in the best kind of way. It's, it, the heart's in the right place. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I can't find the words yet. <laughs> I love, well-intentioned. Well-intentioned. Yes, that's the word, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, your work is so colour-filled and it's colourful and it's colour-filled. Mm. When I look at it, the response I get is, is very joyous and so alive. For you, the creation process of your works, talk to us about that. How does that feel for you? I was talking to another Frida and she was surprised that I don't actually begin with the work like the composition in mind I actually oh I have heaps of drawings and there's things I just return to in the way I draw which will come out on the canvas and so what I do is I'll, I'll start with an idea of a color that's my sort of starting point into the work I want to get to the point where the work is existing outside of me which is really hard to explain to it's yeah, it's a hard process to explain because it's very intuitive. So I'll start with colours and shapes and sort of pushing and pulling, moving things around, standing back if I have to, you know, just working, working the surface until the palette feels right. There'll be a point where there'll be a point where I'll go, oh, I know where to go now, you know, and it'll just take off from there. And I love that process of trying to find that because to me that's like a, a journey. And you don't know the end result. So you just sort of, you're fuddling your way through it almost blindly. And then to get to the end, it's such a joyous thing. And I love colours too, really. That just, um, I love contrasting colours. 
because there's so much energy between them. And I just love the feeling of colour and energy that you get, the energy you get from colour and colour relationships. It's so fascinating to me, the science yeah. of it. Yeah. What's your favourite colour? Oh, don't ask me that. <laughs> They're not listening. They're a... not listening. <laughs> I don't have a favourite colour. Uh, I could use, oh, look, I don't. I love them all. <laughs> okay, now, yeah. now, now I know you're telling the truth. <laughs> It would be easy for people to look at your work and just think, oh, it's, you know, it's just, it's bright, colourful, abstract work. But actually you have a, there is a, a story and a theme and a series um, with your works that you do. And I know you're working on the Insignia series at the moment and it's for mm-hmm. your, an exhibition you've got with Madam Hunter coming up in Melbourne in March. Yeah. And the series is inspired by Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins and, and your kind of own desire to explore the nature of like trauma and recovery and resilience. And they're really big topics. They're, they're really mm. big things in life and things Absolutely. that make us stop and think. Talk to us about the process of having that concept in mind, but then actually pulling the work together. How, how does that happen? So... Um... It's something I'd been thinking about at the back of my mind. I kind of worked on trauma in my honours degree. Um, that was part of my um, exegesis. So I've come back to it and it came about because I, I was really inspired by Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins last year. I just thought, wow, those those women are so amazing. They're so strong to get up there on that stage and speak their truth and their story. And I just thought they deserve a badge of honour for that. And so this idea came about immediately, I thought of military, you know, the military sort of insignias and how they all, there's like a code, it's a code of language, like a coded language, really. I don't understand how it all works with the military, but um, I just thought this is a starting point for me. And it's, it kind of worked where I was going aesthetically in my practice as well, in terms of refining down to the key elements of shape colour and, and form and just really exploring that in a very non-objective way, not trying to feed back into, say, my heel series or anything like that. It was just about those things and how I could push that into a, a direction that speaks of particularly of women's experience. And so you see a lot of my works, I use quite feminine colours. Not that I think girls should wear pink and, you know, I'm not into yeah, the gendered no. kind of thing, but... Yep. That there's a femininity to that to those works as well and I want them to speak about the strength of that femininity and vulnerability as well um, and, and the resilience that women have I think we're incredibly strong for our life experiences I think that's yeah. a really powerful when you, you know when you when you talk about the military insignia like yes my first thoughts are you know, in the military, you're awarded for a bravery and courage. And yes, Absolutely. Those, are, those are all things those fantastic young women inspire and embody. And yeah, I'm very much looking forward to to seeing the rest of the series because I think it, yeah, it, it will be something really spectacular. Thank you. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun still exploring it. I feel like it's just something I could keep doing for the next year. So I to me, this is not going to be an end point, this Insignia series that I'm launching with Madam Hunter. It's going to be even possibly the start of something I'll do for a long time, yeah. really get my teeth into. Because I, I can see how 
you know, I mean, I've been working on arrows this morning in my studio, this idea of a point and how a point shows direction and focus and energy. There's so much energy in, in that arrow point in the, um, I can't remember vertice, is it? Or the- Oh yeah, it's like the, yeah. well, the head yeah, the gross, kind of bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not good with the math terms. Um, but yeah, you know, like I just, it's that kind of subconscious universal language, I think that's really fascinating as well. So I'm interested in how individual experiences become universal and how we can all relate to those experiences on some level. You're based in Adelaide. We mentioned that before, but you are mm-hmm. you have an expansive collector network that is Australia-wide and then also globally as well. You know, yeah. What is your advice for artists who are based in smaller communities or maybe somewhere where there's not all the galleries like, how did you reach out? Oh, my God, I can see you slumping your shoulders already. <laughs> oh, it's a dreadful it's, thing, Instagram. <laughs> yes. I, mean, I mean, you and oh. I have spoken about this before for yeah. 2SER Radio, but it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? I mean. It is. It is. I think the first thing, really, the first bit of advice I'd have for any artist who's starting out is to be authentic and to push and push and push your practice so you find your own style. I don't know how many times I've seen really imitative works and I just think keep pushing it. Don't put it out there until you're 100% confident about what your story is with that work. And, of course, there's nothing new in art. We all sort of take bits and pieces from everything. But, yeah, start from a strong point and maybe look at galleries which have have similar kind of work to you or similar in style, sort of not so much in style, but similar maybe, you know, if you're in a landscape painter and you paint quite traditional landscapes, don't go to a contemporary art gallery to expect to put them out there. So, yeah, research, research, research. And, Willie, you've helped me with that, of course, too, with your mentoring. So, Oh, (laughs) thanks, Greta. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it is... um like Instagram it is this you know wonderful access point to a potentially global audience but I think you're right like the work is the important part here and good work and I think I like to say this with my clients is good work will be found and followed and loved and so is your work good work Are you technically pushing yourself or are you doing something that people haven't seen before? You know, often when I speak to gallerists, they're like, what stops me is seeing something I haven't seen before. So to your point of like people kind of imitating, and I've had another artist say this to me that, you know, the, the people who practice through imitation and then post that, that can really dilute the authenticity of their work and therefore actually almost even stall their career. You might get a spike initially because you, you know, you're producing something that people like, but then where do you move from there? If you're just kind of not copying someone else, but where do you go from there? If you haven't developed your own practice or style, you've got to produce work because it's so personal art making. You've got to produce it from the heart, you know, and you know, you will know when you're making work from the heart. It's it's completely different feeling to you know copying something, or yeah. trying out a different technique you've seen an artist do. It's got to feel so authentic inside, and it has to it has to be like that, because if you believe in your if you've got to believe in your work one hundred percent, 
because if you don't, no one else will. <laughs> no one else <laughs> <Sorry>. will. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, what's your favourite pen brand? I think they're a Mitsubishi one. Mm. Black Fine Nib. Oh, yeah. That kind of. So do you do that first and then you, like, put the works on or you start with the colours? Okay. With my with my pencil drawing works, which are colour pencil, yeah. I will gradually, I'll, I'll do a kind of a start, I'll do a larger design, if you like, like a compositional design yeah. uh, with pencil on the paper very lightly. And then I'll gradually just build up areas with colour with my pencils. And then I'll wait for that spark that I was talking about before where I go, oh, I know where it's going now. And then I'll just, once I've got there, I'll, it's just free for all. Things change all the time then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I feel I like... Start with, I feel like when you find that moment, it's almost like the, the work leads you on. You, yeah, you don't absolutely. lead the work on. Yeah, yeah. I reckon there's a lot of artists that work that way. And then there's the other artists that, you know, they've already know what they're going to produce and they just paint it, which I, every time I do that, it's like my inner rebel goes, piss off, you know. I don't want to do that. You know, why are you doing up? that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I get all shirty with myself and just, it goes the way it wants to go in the end anyway so do you remember the first piece you sold my parents were great are great believers in my work and I was a teenager and I'd done a, a lead pencil drawing very tonal realistic drawing of a rose and they sent it up to Adelaide to Kensington Gallery there's a gallery called Kensington Gallery at that stage and eventually the lady sold it I don't know how much she sold it for but it was sold <laughs> so That's someone awesome. at Adelaide's Got one of my earliest drawings, but it's funny, Willie. I, re- I remember I was five at the, we ha- I think it was a school, maybe a school art show or something at the show, at the show, at the local kind of show, the farm show that we'd have every year. And I got first prize for this drawing. I did it and I was so excited. I know I got $5 and I just remember that feeling afterwards going, oh my God, I just, you know, like I was just in my heart. I was so excited as a kid and I still remember it. <laughs> What time do you get into the studio? Eight. Eight. Yeah. Eight, eight thirty. Depends. Depends if I'm walking with Sarah or, you know, one of the freighters. But yeah, usually about eight, eight or eight thirty. And what's a full day in the studio look like? Are you kind of like an eight till twelve and then those four hours are enough, or are you eight till three? Uh, I, I do eight till six and I have oh. probably about an hour, an hour's lunch break. Yeah. Oh my God. Eight till six. Yeah. That's a long day. It is. I might work on a few paintings in that time, but I do. I know I get tired by about five thirty. I'm kind of like, yeah, <laughs> making making wrong decisions, and you know that's time to stop and wash the brushes. <laughs> I'm the same. I know if I'm at the computer at like three thirty, I know I need to step away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you do to get out of a creative funk? My tried and tested method over the years is to cut up things. I'm a big believer in experimenting and there's no such thing as a failure because those failures or you know those perceived mucked up drawings can be used for something else so I'll cut up canvas old paintings I'll rip them off the stretches cut them up try out new things like you know this is my abstract my abstractious abstractionist background um to you know this there's a tool I use a lot the other thing is to read and go for walks got to be in nature nature's so renewing Who's your biggest fan? I reckon my family, definitely. 
my husband, he likes some things. He, I know when he doesn't like some things, though. How do you know? <laughs> Tell us. Oh. How do you know? Does he get like a twitch when he's like? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's more like, oh, is that finished? Oh, aren't you going to tidy up that bit up there? No, Pete, I'm not. <laughs> no, Peter, I am not tidying up that. No. Who's the artist here? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's funny. I love that. Oh, my goodness. How would you describe your uh, relationship with social media? I know we kind of just touched on this, but mm. it's evolved over the years, I feel. Yeah, I, it's business-like. Over January, I barely looked at social media. But as, you know, it's a business. It's part of my business. I think of it that way. Yeah. I can't say I love it. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be interesting, really, you know, with what's happening with Meta. The shares have gone down on that. People are leaving Facebook and Instagram in droves. You so. know, it, I was talking to someone earlier, must have been towards, actually towards the end of 2021, we were going, you know, there was an art world before Instagram. We yeah. were like, oh, my God, how amazing is that? And we're like, yeah, it were like artists made work, it got sold, collectors found it. Admittedly now probably not as easily and Instagram has definitely opened the gates up for many more artists to be found and make a business, which I think is great. But I do feel we are in this period of evolution of how are we all going to use it moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I was actually on a Swellcast. I don't know if you've, have you heard of Swellcast? Oh my God, I've never heard of Swellcast. What is that? Okay. Oh my God. Um, so yesterday, this woman, uh, her name is Deborah Pardes, Pardes. She's American. She was talking about Brene Brown, who's one of my sort of. Oh, I love her. People. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she does like, it's like an audio recording. It's an audio pod, audio conversation. Okay. People can, you can record a response under five minutes to someone's question and someone else can add to that. It's like an ongoing conversation that can be added to over a period of time, all under five minutes. Wow. Yeah, so have a look at that. It's, I think it's must be big in America. Yes, yeah, Swellcast is called. Cool. Swell. It's swell, it's called. Cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's a new kind of thing. There's all these new things happening. I just go, wow, where did that come from? Totally. Like so many. Yeah. And the technology continues to evolve yeah you know different different things coming up how do you deal with your inner critic gosh that's been such a hard one you know honestly really over the last few years I have found a way just to ignore it but for so long and this is probably one of the reasons it took me 20 years to finish my degree so long I let it get to me I'm not this it's not that or you know I'm not doing it good enough I compare just everything it was awful so I try to ignore it as best as I can and just keep working and pushing work, put work away if I need to, come back to it, look at it a few days later. Yeah, it's interesting what time can do yeah. when it comes to work, yeah. Trust the process, ignore the critic. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great line, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. How would you describe the essence of your work? Process. It's all Process. And maybe psychological process, I think, is, is more of what it, the concept is always psychological. Even with my Hill series where I was looking at the Flinders Ranges and everything, that was all about how we connect with the environment around us. So, yeah, psychological and then process-driven. I'm a process-driven artist for sure. Do you do commissions? 
not anymore. Anymore. I've had too many times where I've let people dictate what the work should be instead of me dictating the work. It's really difficult commissions, especially the way I work too. I never know what I'm going to produce. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think there are definitely some styles and themes and mediums that work well for commissions, particularly, you know, there's some really beautiful artists you can give a photograph to and they will pretty closely recreate that. And it's a stunning work. But I think you nailed it when you're like, yeah, like the way you work and, and your type of work is just not suited. If yeah. you could spend the day in the studio with any artist, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, only one. You can have two. <laughs> <Only. All right. laughs> Every, everyone, everyone gets two. Oh, okay. I love Louise Bourgeois' work, the, the sculptor. She is just, her work is so, her, the way she uses materials are so, is so interesting. And her conceptual work. It's concept and materials together. It's perfect. And I recently got a catalogue from MoMA, from Museum of Modern Art, of Sophie Torba Arp's work, who was married to Hans Arp, I'm guessing, I think it's Hans. Okay. Very famous painter in the 1940s, 50s. Okay. She was actually a multidisciplinary artist and she would do, did all these textiles, she did interior design, she did paintings, drawings, she did so many amazing things. And she's like one of the earliest modernists, really, before, you know, the mid-century movement came in. Very Bauhaus looking. I'd love to be in the studio with her because I think the way she uses colour and um, materials is really cool too. What's one thing in the studio you can't go without? Probably my journal, I think, to write things down. Yeah, I need that. Strangest thing you've bought in the art store? I bought this glass bead gel that Golden makes and I tried using it recently and it's awful. I, I, maybe I'm doing something wrong with it. It just, it's just, oh my golly. What do you wish someone had told you before you got into the art game? When I was in my 20s, I wish it was take every opportunity you are given. Yeah, don't let fear hold you back. What's 2022 got in store for you, Greta? Oh, so I've got my exhibition with Madam Hunter, which opens on the 23rd of March, a little plug there. And then I'm going with another Frida to East McDonald Ranges with Idris Murphy on one of the painting trips, which I'm so excited about to go oh. into the centre. Can't wait. That's a six-day painting trip. And I'm really looking forward to producing some more landscape work from that. And I'll exhibit that at Satchin Co in September. I just, every day that I get to go to the studio, I'm just so happy, really. I just feel so blessed. Yeah. Greta Laundy, thank you so much for joining us on the interview with an artist. I'm so looking forward to seeing where your work is heading and the Insignia series at Madam Hunter in March. Thank you so much, Willie. It's been such a pleasure talking to you.